0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg. And uh, today's kind of a special day. Uh, I kind of crept up on me and I didn't realize. Um, but if you've been with me for a while, then you might know that this is actually the one year anniversary of Game Talk Radio. So yeah, I, I, I got a. It was actually funny. I shared it on Facebook, like my first episode. And uh, we've certainly come a long way from them. Uh, but it was the first episode we shared it on Monday. So it means it's Sunday night last Sunday was our first episode a year ago. And uh, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about this stuff, but uh, I, you guys don't care, I'm sure. <laughs> but it's been really really interesting journey for me. And uh, right now with uh, wedding stuff and with uh, um, Jen's getting certified in this new thing for work, uh, she hasn't been able to participate. So the last few months have been really different, you know, and the show kind of changed formats a bit as it was just me, uh, solo taking up the helm of the project, but she was with me from the beginning and it's something that we really, really enjoyed doing. So now I, uh, it, it's, I can't believe it's been a year, I guess it is my thoughts on this. Like I, I wanted to sit down and say something, but I, I don't like to pre do a lot of like script out what I'm going to say. You know, a lot of this really comes from the heart and anybody who listens to this on a regular basis, I mean, it means so much to me. I can't even really tell you knowing that, um, my words are something that somebody else wants to listen to. And it's silly because I know I've, I've worked video game retail now for the better, the better part of two decades. (laughs) We're going on almost 20 years now that I've been working video game retail. And a lot of people valued my opinion of what I talked about games and things. And I always felt like I wanted to share that with a larger audience. And I feel like I finally, for whatever reason, finally now am doing that. And so, I hope that you guys enjoy it. I hope we're getting new listeners all the time and I hope people um you know like what we're doing because obviously if you don't like it then you shouldn't be listening. Uh, but we're trying to do something different. You know, we're trying to not be a news source, not be a journalist. We're just trying to be um you know, we're just trying to be an opinionist. Uh, where where I share my views and what I t- what I think about the industry as a whole and what I think of certain ridiculous stories that come out. And yeah. I mean, this is one of those times uh, where I'm just really happy, I guess, to know that uh, what I do makes a difference, if that makes sense. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I, I always appreciate any little bit of people listening that I can. It's incredible. And I, and I thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. So with that said, uh, I want to move on to my first story of the day, which was interesting <laughs> uh, to say the least. So uh, what I love about Twitter is that Twitter seems to be a place where like people can just let loose, which I kind of dig. Um, <laughs> uh, and people will sometimes just go on a rant and, and Twitter's the most frustrating place to go on a rant because, well, you can't say it more than so many characters. So you have to do like this just massive long list of stuff to say. And, uh, So every now and then you get a little bit of sometimes sincerity from people who you may not uh, see that side of them. So uh, there was a game developer recently uh, who was doing an interview with someone and he basically, someone asked him a question. Let's see exactly what it was here. So so he just kind of started his Twitter tirade like this. So his first tweet was, the other day a friend commented to me, I wish game developers were more candid about development. And he was surprised when I said, we are. And then this guy, Charles Randall, he goes, this is his Twitter rant. I'm just going to read down the the thing here. The caveat is that we're only candid with other industry people because gamer culture is so toxic that being candid in public is dangerous. See that recent Twitter uh, Twitter thread about game design tricks to make games better filled with gamers angry about being lied to. Forums and comment sections are full of Dunning-Kruger specialists who are just waiting for any reason to descend on actual developers. See any thread where some dumbass comments how easy it would be to say add multiplayer or change engines. Any dev who talks candidly about the difficulty of something like that just triggers a wave of people questioning their entire resume. Questioning here being an absurd euphemism for becoming the target of an entire faction of gamers for harassment or worse. There are still topics I can't touch because I was candid once and it resulted in dumb headlines, misunderstandings, and harassments. So while I talk candidly about certain big topics right now, I know doing so would lead to another wave of assholes throwing shit at me. So sorry for the bad language. (laughs) That was a little edit there. Um, And of course, I face almost nothing compared to women slash POC slash LG btq folk um but here's the rub all the stuff you ever want to know about game development would be out there if not for the toxic gaming community we love to talk about development the challenges we face the problems we solve the shortcuts we take but it's almost never worth it i did a public talk a couple weeks ago to a room full of all-age kids and afterwards a kid came up to me and was talking about stuff and i shit you not This kid, somewhere between 13 and 16, I'd guess, starts talking about how bad devs are because of a YouTuber he watches. He nailed all the points bad engines, being greedy, you name it. I was appalled. I did my best to tell him that all those things would freak out. All those things people freak out about are normal and have justifications. I hope I got through a bit. But I expect he went back to consuming toxic culture via YouTube personalities, and one day he'll probably harass a dev over nonsense. I worry about what other topical hatred he's picking up at the same time. I guess this leads to a bigger point. When you attack developers for being political, that's a facet of the bullshit that uh, that forces us to keep things hidden from public view. The elements that contribute to harassing developers over perceived technical slights are the same elements as all other hate out there. Next time you don't like a game, maybe consider just moving on. What is the value of helping spread hate and toxicity? If more people accepted that it's okay to dislike a game and move on, rather than doubling down on harassment, things would be more open. If you're posting extremely negative things about a game you don't like, even with good intentions, you are contributing to this ethos. Being critical and explaining why you don't like something is fine. Dwelling on it, calling the dev out, or just talking shit is not. Let's be honest. Dwelling on something you don't like also isn't healthy spend time on what matters instead also there's this idea that developers are secretive of what they are doing with respect to sharing with other devs this is false there's no real competition between developers we love to talk and share and so at best a lot of stuff is friend aid so like an NDA with friends most developers know what their other developer friends are working on even between AAA studios like an open secret You know why we have to keep what we're doing secret from the public? Because of the toxic culture surrounding it. Some people will say marketing, and they are not wrong, but that's the difference between secrecy and wide knowledge. God help you if you let any amount of the public know what you're working on before it's set in stone. Games change during development. This is a universal constant no developer would argue with, but toxic culture can't handle that. If you think I'm wrong on any points in this thread, please compare the movie industry to the game industry. Sometimes we know about movies that are in development years and years before anyone even starts working on them. That wouldn't fly here. Shout out to all my friends who do community management for game. They deal with a lot of BS. They should never have to. Um, If you argue some developers deserve it, or there are two sides, or not all gamers, congratulations, you get muted. (laughs) Okay, so he's not taking anyone's crap, apparently. Because either you've chosen to willfully ignore the points I'm making, or you are arguing in bad faith. I will suffer neither. Ah, and looks like a certain well-known group of dumbasses has latched on as expected. Thanks for proving my point. Uh, let's see. He keeps going here. Um, okay. So anyway, that's the gist of it. So he he went on a tirade, I guess you would call this, a Twitter raid. And so he's basically saying that game developers, because of the toxic environment from gamers, he can't be open and candid about the things he wants to talk about about his game. So this is going to probably be an unpopular opinion, but I don't disagree with him all the way, I do feel like there has to be like he can't say that nothing's ever happened that makes gamers not trust developers because that has happened. But I, I do agree that that's not an excuse for him being able to be treated that way. And so, I guess I'm not. I don't agree with how he's I don't like generalizations. okay? and so to say that gaming has a gaming does have a toxic culture. There's no denying that. But you have to be careful in how you word that because you're not you don't want to clip somebody like me who I I honestly take offense to when people say like, oh, gaming is so toxic. Well, I'm not toxic. So if I'm not toxic, then who are you talking about? And if you don't specify someone, then you're talking about all gamers. And that includes me. And so how do you not get offended by that? Uh, a little bit, especially when we're the ones plunking down money, like, like, yes, you're working on a game for us to enjoy, but we're paying you to do it. So there has to be a little bit of give and take there, I think. But he's not wrong in the sense that people will latch on to things and will destroy you for it. Now, one of the most notorious people, I think, for something like this, and this is why he can't be all mad at the quote unquote toxic game culture, is look at some of the game developers like now. Most recently we had Sean Murray with being quote unquote secretive about no man's sky. He wasn't necessarily being as secretive as he was like downright, not talking about things that weren't in the game and letting, letting people believe that there was other stuff in the game that wasn't in there. And then most, uh, notoriously probably would be somebody like Peter Molyneux who he, and, and, and to be to Peter Molyneux defense, uh, the creator of fable and, uh, dungeon keeper and just a, a, a slew of amazing, amazing games he's made. But to be fair, Peter Molyneux, I think, just loved his projects and was so excited he couldn't not talk about them. But he would talk about them when they were still in the in the concept phase. So he's talking about an idea that he's concepted and that he's like, oh, man, this is going to be awesome. And then the development team will come back and be like, sorry, dude, you can't do it. It just doesn't work. And then it exits the game and people are like, hey, dude, you promised us that. Like, for instance, on Fable, he promised us that if you were a fighter, the more you attacked and got hit by things, you'd have scars, because as you're growing throughout the game and you take more damage, you'll have more scars on your body. You know, just a little thing, but that never happened for whatever reason, you know? Well, the reason was that they crammed it onto the Xbox and they lost a bunch of features when it was originally going to be a PC game, but I digress. So Peter Malnu is definitely one of the worst offenders, but he's not wrong, in wanting to be excited about his project. And yes, so he was candid about his projects and it got him in trouble. Uh, Sean Murray, you know, I, I believe he loved his project and wanted to see it successful so bad that he was trying to prevent the toxic culture from getting to his game. And so when people would say things, he would just be like, well, maybe, We'll have to see, huh? Yeah, it's secretive, huh? It's secretive. And and unfortunately, he just came out and said, well, we don't have giant sandworms, but that's cool. Maybe I'll put that on the development list. You know, that that would have been better so that when the game came out, people weren't like, well, where are the giant sandworms that we promised? And he's like, well, I didn't promise giant sandworms. I just didn't say that they weren't in the game, you know, lying through omission, I guess you could say. So there is a point where uh, certain gamers don't trust game developers who aren't open because we've been burned in the past. But... He is right about how when he makes complaints, like even on that Twitter feed, all of a sudden a bunch of troll, a bunch of people come out, uh, sorry, not trolls, just the people, people that talk trash to you on the internet are not trolls. Sorry, little mini rant here. A troll is somebody who purposely says information to try to get you to like, um, to try to get you to react. So for instance, when I used to troll people legitimately troll people back in the day i would go onto wow's like um general chat and i would say something like like oh i seriously love the light swords in star wars and then you get somebody be like lightsaber i'm like no no, i'm pretty sure they were light swords and i'm like well they were they, then they were like light light daggers and i would say something like that i know that they're called lightsabers right but i'm doing it because the other people don't know that i know that and it's funny to me, (laughs) not funny to them, probably. But it's funny to me that I'm essentially jokingly tricking them. You know, that's what a troll is. Okay, a troll is purposely spreading misinformation to try to trick somebody. A troll is not somebody who just goes onto your comments and talks trash to you. That's not a troll. Anyway, mini rant over back to the what he's saying. He's right. These people jumped on him. And they come out of nowhere. And they start talking like madness about how, oh, yeah, well, your games suck anyway. You know, (laughs) like, they just come out of nowhere. And You're like, okay, I guess, I mean, you know, (laughs) what are you supposed to do? Like you just leave yourself open to these ridiculous comments, you know, and and here he was speaking very candidly and it didn't get him anywhere except a bunch of people giving him a hard time, but he was trying to show what a lot of devs go through. A lot of devs don't want to deal with the people side of it, you know, And, and think about how many of us have social anxieties and such, and then assume that most game developers have it too. So not only are they obsessing and they're, artistic and they're trying to get this game finished they're also socially anxious and then they start getting attacked and all these other things i mean you get rabid fans too um my friend jared who's pro jared on youtube i've seen some of the people that uh like obsess over him and have done weird creepy things while he's at a convention and stuff trying to get close to him it's just very strange and so you have to you have to deal with that too um but anyway, I think he's a little too quick to jump on the, it's gamer's fault, but there is a toxic community. We talked about that with Overwatch when I did the Overwatch bit a couple weeks ago. It It is, it does exist. And, and there are people out there that first it's, it's the, you know, being anonymous on the internet angle that makes you feel like you could say whatever you want and, and people are, are using that or abusing that as much as they want. And it's, it's unfortunate. We should be better than that. And I'll you hear me say that all the time, you know, and maybe that's why I think the PewDiePie thing irritated me so much a couple weeks ago, because like he has influence, you know, and, uh, he has influence where he could change a whole generation of culture and he doesn't, he chooses to perpetuate, you know, and it's just, it's frustrating to me because he has an opportunity to try to change things but he's not. And that's fine. But you know, going back to the developer, when he talked about how he went to that school and he was talking to kids and the kid was, you know, saying how, Oh my God, this engine sucks. This game sucked because this engine sucks. Basically regurgitating what YouTubers say that is a hundred percent accurate. And to me, it's very, very scary. Um, let me give you an example of from the store. So when I work, this happens a lot, two different things. One, people come up with a copy of, E.T. for the Atari. Well, that's too easy. Let's do a different one. They'll come up with a copy of like Turtles for the NES, like no lie, the first Turtles game. And he's like, does this game any good? I'm like, ah, actually, I really like the first Turtles game. I mean, is it better than the arcade one? No, of course not. But it's really challenging. <clears throat> it's very challenging and it's uh, it's stylistically, it's very cool and it's got great music. I like it. Oh man, the angry video game nerd said this game sucks. Like you can't even jump over this gap. He's like, this game sucks because of this. The the This boss doesn't make sense. These enemies don't make sense. Where were these in turtles? And they start rambling on off all this stuff that they're regurgitating from a YouTuber. And you're like, okay. (laughs) So like, did did you play it though? (laughs) Like, did did you have an opinion or are you just listening to other people's opinions? And uh, another example of that will be that. Uh, oftentimes I will be talking to somebody about a game and they'll say, uh, or I'll ask them, Oh, did you play horizon zero dawn? It's really, really good. I did. Yeah. I finished it. And they pause for a second and then they say, well, I mean, I watched PewDiePie play it or something, or I watched John Tron play or what, whoever it is, you know, it's like, Oh, I watched them play. And it was, it was just incredible. So they're associating watching people play video games with having played the games themselves. So I can see where he's coming from, like this kid who probably never played this game that maybe he was ragging on, heard somebody else complain about it and he latched onto it. Now, this other, this third example is a little closer to home and a little bit different, but there's um, a young man who comes into my store a lot and he's autistic um, and he's a, but he's a good kid. But unfortunately what he does with most of his free time is he watches YouTube And that's like what he does with most of his free time. He likes to draw. He likes to play video games, likes to watch YouTube and he watches a lot of YouTube. So he'll come in sometimes and we'll talk about gaming and things and he'll start going on about something that I can already tell aren't his words. They're the words of somebody else. And he's just regurgitating. Now, again, he's autistic. And that's part of that is that he, when you, when he latches onto an idea, it's almost like a loop where he needs to get that idea throughout his system before he can move on to a new idea or a new thought. But it's, it's, it's really damaging, I think. And, you know, you've got a lot of people right now are are big on anger. Uh, and I guess my, my biggest YouTube video to date is the one where I did a rant on the super Nintendo mini. So I guess I'm not really helping the problem either. You know, I'm, I try to be a little more level headed. And obviously at that moment, I was a little bit more like, man, this is frustrating, but I don't slam devs. I don't slam stuff like that. You know, I try to stay more positive, but there is something to be said that my largest YouTube video was the one where I was the angriest. And I think more people, want to appeal to the anger of side anger side of themselves i mean you have a, a youtuber literally named angry joe and he uh and he goes on his rants and i think joe's uh funny enough like i think he's smart and he understands gaming so i i actually appreciate what he does but um he, he feeds off of people's anger and they want to hate things like people have anger right now like I think as a society like we're just we're just locked up we got so much anger and hatred right now and we don't know how to like expunge it so we want someone to point something at to say be angry at that or look over and be like be angry at that and then we're like yeah yeah I'm angry at that yeah yeah screw that thing yeah Uh, as opposed to saying well what are you really angry about are you angry because you're not happy with your life you're not happy with your job you're not angry that you know Campo Santo came out against PewDiePie. You're angry because your life's not that great and you don't know how to fix it. And they, that guy did something that made you mad, you know? Um, but anyway, it was a really candid conversation and I, it kind of linked to my next story, which I'm not gonna spend a ton of time on, but, um, it linked to this next story I had where, uh, there's a new company Uh, I guess it doesn't really link, I suppose, but the idea was the same, um, where this company called the Chinese room, it's a game developer there. They made dear Esther and most recently released. Everybody's gone to the rapture. Those are two pretty big games. They've done really well. Uh, they're known uh, as well-known creators of quote unquote walking simulators, but, uh, apparently they just burned out and they laid off their entire staff at the end of July and they've decided to just go back to just the two of them and they're going to ref like replan and refigure what they're going to do. And initially the article was kind of talking about, oh, well, you know, the studio, it costs like 40,000 pounds per month. Cause they're in the UK, 40,000 pounds per month cost, which is, uh, if I get this right, that's about 50 grand a month, <clears throat> us dollars, $55,000 a month, something like that. The company's workspace has been moved, um, from an office back to their home. And they're just rebooting it, and just keeping themselves like they—they laid off um was it twelve seven to ten employees or something, and it, it you know initially you're like oh it was a money thing, and then later you find out they had a lot of issues working with Santa Monica Studios with Sony trying to get the game out, but then also you have to wonder about stuff like this like how much does this sort of thing add on to that, like how much does the like the toxic culture those people how much does it discourage these other people from wanting to make games and do their passion, you know, and I've, I've, I find this a lot lately is that some people just, some people just, they can't be happy. And they're not happy. If you're happy, even though it has nothing to do with their own happiness, they want people to come down to their level. You know, the old saying, you know, misery loves company. It's truer now today than it's ever been. Because I think a lot of people on the internet that aren't happy it, they're happier when they're bringing somebody else down, like they're right, like I can finally be right. But for me to be right, he has to be wrong. And I have to bring him down for me to come up. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and, and and that's, that's an incredibly damaging and awful way to live your life, quite frankly, but it is what it is. And all we can do is hope that, you know, and, and this is the thing I, I agree. I love transparency. I love hearing stuff about game development. I absolutely love it. It's so interesting to me. And it's like, what we're doing right now is is killing that just because, you know, we're not happy with the way developers do things. And then look at how a lot of early access games on Steam, they release this game in early access. Then the crowd, we talked a little bit about this in a story months ago, but a, the crowd uh, when it was Tom um, at Rust and how he, there's going to come a time where he stops listening to feedback because you get stuck in a feedback loop where the smallest group of people don't like something. So they complain the most. You change it. Then the people that weren't complaining because they were happy, they don't like the change. So then they start complaining. I need some water here. So they start complaining. Excuse me for a second. (sighs) Okay. So they start complaining. And then you change the game to appease them. And then the other people that were complaining, uh, then they're upset again. So then they complain until you appease them. And it's it's an unending loop of development. The game's never, ever finished because you keep trying to make it better. But the thing is, you keep bouncing back and forth between people so we want transparency, but that's an issue with transparency as well, is that if we know what's going to happen, we hate it. Now, this might be a little bit more of a stretch, but the new, the latest Devil May Cry game that came out, DMC, and I know people are going to think this is crazy because it's become the new game just to crap on for no reason. DMC was a fun game. Was it perfect? Absolutely not, but it was a well-polished game. It was a fun game to play, but when they first showed the concept art for Dante where he was like in jail and he looked like he was strung out like just just anorexic strung out just awful looking like everyone hated it from day one and so they could have gone back to the drawing board and changed his look which they did a little bit they took out a little bit of the (laughs) drug addict look and they they went out of it a little bit and then the game though had this negative stigma from that very one picture that it never recovered from And I'm not saying it's better than other Devil May Cry's. It's not better than Devil May Cry 3. It's not better than Devil May Cry 4. I'm just saying it's a good game. It's still fun to play. But everyone in their head has a negative image of it. Now, this is another example, too, of people who never played the game. They just trash that game. Like, I've played it, I played it all the way through. I did a video review on it for my old brother's Insanity channel years ago. And it was awesome, you know? And, like, the game was fun. I had fun with it. Like, that company makes really polished games. Um, Ninja Theory makes really, really good games. Damn it. They're the guys that made, um, Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice, and they, uh, they made Enslaved. Um, again, not a perfect game. Not saying it is, not saying it's better than any other Double May Crys, but it was still a fine-made game, and it was fun, and it was good. And, uh, but that game never recovered. I have people come to the store all the time, and they'll just pull up a game off the shelf and be like, this game sucks. And I'm like, oh, you didn't like it? And it'll be something like Devil May Cry 2, which, again, notorious for people trash talking. And I'm like, oh, you didn't like it? Oh, well, I heard that it's like, just like the worst sequel. It's boring and Dante doesn't even talk anymore. And you're like, so you didn't even play it. <laughs> you didn't even play it. A YouTuber told you it sucked. So you think it sucks. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm hurting myself here because maybe the people listening to this are like, well, Greg said, don't listen to people. And I'm not going to listen to Greg anymore. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I don't want people to listen to my opinion and just regurgitate it. I want people to th- take what I say and then go, that's an interesting point. Let's think about it more and then think about it more and then come up with their own opinion. Um, this is very unpopular and I tell people this and they don't like it when I say this, but I don't really watch YouTubers and I don't listen to gaming podcasts, even though I make YouTube videos and I have a gaming podcast because I feel like if I listen to too many other people's opinions, I can't make my own opinion. So I listen to the articles. I think about it I read some of the comments, try to understand where people would be coming from on both sides. And then I formulate an opinion based on what I feel. And I wish more people would do that. I mean, too, too often times people jump the gun and they don't and they, they regurgitate instead of contemplate. You know, is that a thing? Can I can I make that a slogan? Contemplate, don't regurgitate. Uh, put that on a T-shirt. Um, but, it, it, you know, again, I, you'll hear me say this a lot. It is what it is. I don't, I don't know how we can change that. All, all I can say is, once again, we can be better. Change starts with us. We become better. We help the people around us become better. They help the people around them become better. And this isn't, again, you know me, I'm not this kumbaya, sit around the campfire, holding hands, singing crap. I'm not talking about that, but this is, this is how we make change is we change ourselves and you change the ones around you and you positively influence people right now. There's so many forces on YouTube that are negatively influencing people and we're just dropping into a hole and it's this anger movement. It's really unfortunate because it's not an accurate portrayal of who we are and it's, it's, but people are looking for an outlet to kind of kick out that anger, and it's there it is. All right, let's kick this thing off. So uh, in the wee hours of the morning, so about four or five hours ago, this story broke, which is why I love doing this on a Tuesday. I'm getting a lot more stories coming out as they come out. But uh, we have more information about the Atari box. So we ran a story about this a couple months ago. If you remember, um, Atari is... Uh, gonna do a, a crowdfunding thing, coming out this fall sometime, and they're basically coming back. Atari's coming back, right? And you're like, okay, well, okay. I mean, I've never been much of an Atari guy. I came up with the NES, but there are a lot of people I know that came up with the Atari. So you know, there's obviously a lot of uh, nostalgia that goes along with that, and I can respect that. You know, it's not, you know, it's not my system that I'm nostalgic for, but that doesn't mean it doesn't mean something to other people. So, uh, yeah, so, uh, it was, uh, ba- it was actually back in June, uh, the Atari declared that they're back in the hardware business and, uh, the announcement of the Atari box, which they described as a retro styled PC tech based console. One month later, it emerged, uh, that Atari planned to crowdfund the project. And now we have some hard facts on cost and what's under the hood. So this is an article I was looking at on PC gamer. So basically, um, Atari Box creator and general manager Fergal Mac was speaking to VentureBeat uh, and he noted that an Indiegogo funding campaign will launch this year and that the final product will ship in spring of 2018 and when it does it'll cost between $250 and $300 and will boast an AMD custom processor with Radeon graphics. And Here's a quote from Fergal, people are used to the flexibility of a PC but most connected TV devices have closed systems and content stores. We wanted to create a killer TV product where people can game, stream, and browse with as much freedom as possible, including accessing pre-owned games from other content providers. Um, uh, continuing the quote. We've chosen to launch Atari Box with Indiegogo, given their focus on delivering technology products and their strong international presence in over 200 countries, allowing us to reach and involve as many Atari fans around the world as possible. It's a very flexible product, and you don't need to spend more money if you don't want to. In some ways, you are building some freedom. End quote. Uh, So again, he said that the crowdfunding is this fall, and that the item, the Atari Box, is expected to ship in spring of 2018. Um, So I hate to say it, this thing is going to flop hard. What I would say is if you back this thing, please be aware that you're probably not going to get your money out of it. One, either the thing will never come to fruition because launching a console is seriously difficult. And that's why not a lot of people get into the hardware business or the ones that do for the first time rarely succeed unless you're a huge company like Microsoft that can kind of buy your way in in the beginning. Um, so if, if the product even comes out, which I I actually have fears and and things that it won't, uh, even if it does come out, it will not be supported and it just won't. I don't know. I I don't know how this thing could be successful. It, It almost sounds like when he talks about how I need to have as much freedom as possible. Like, what does that mean? Accessing pre-owned games from other content dividers? What is he talking about? So is he talking about physical pre-owned games? Is this thing going to have a disk drive in it that plays PS3 games? No, it's not going to do that. I mean, I'll think. <laughs> I mean, I'd like some more details. But I'm sure that Sony would come after him for that. So you're like, okay, so does it? will it maybe have Steam on it? That seems reasonable for, for uh, us to assume that Steam would be available. Uh, it's going to run Linux, so it can do what PCs do. Uh, is it going to ha- allow you to put emulators on it? Probably. And even if it doesn't allow you to do it, the modders will have it up and running with emulators in probably about a week, but I don't see what the, I don't see how they make money off of it after selling the initial unit. Like what else is there? Is it going to have USB controllers? Or are you going to make us buy your kind of controllers? I mean, they seem to be talking about openness and freedom. So you'd assume that it's basically a, a Linux PC, a, I mean, dare I say it's like a like a Raspberry Pi type device where it's just it's a a micro PC. That's what it sounds like to me. It's going to be a micro PC locked into a an Atari looking shell to kind of feed off of nostalgia. I mean, it's the perfect time right now to do something like this because so many people are just amped up over retro stuff but this one doesn't feel right to me it it didn't from the original announcement like if they came out with a device that said look you can pop in your atari 2600 your 7800 games and we have a store where you can like buy roms or download or or it'll be built in with so many games kind of like what they already have like the flashback systems like i could see that this device doesn't really make sense to me because it's not an atari it's a pc and and I don't. I don't know where they're going with this. I, it doesn't make any sense to me, and, and I, I'd love to be wrong. I mean, nothing makes me happier than being wrong when it comes to something like this, because I'd love for this device to be successful. If this brings a bunch of people back to gaming because they miss the days of Atari, and this somehow recaptures that magic, that's fantastic. That, that's excellent. You know, so I'm not crapping all over that. But I just don't see this happening. I don't see it even finishing funding. I think it'll get funded. Well, Indiegogo doesn't have like a goal. Like you just get the money anyway, but I think that uh, it will raise money and I don't even think it'll come out. We don't even have yet, excuse me. We don't even have yet official images. We're still looking at this one 3d rendered picture of what it's going to look like, which looks like some sort of mix between, I don't know, the back of a nineties Mustang Finn where the covers the back window and an Atari twenty six hundred. And I mean we don't even have any we don't have anything real. Don't have anything substantial. You know, we talked about I, I'm pretty sure it ended up being a hoax or whatever, but that the Coleco Chameleon thing that was supposed to be coming out and then a long time ago we had that uh the Phantom box, which was uh gonna you know, it was a system coming out that was gonna play like PS two, Xbox and GameCube and then it was gonna play PS three and three sixty and um So I'm worried about this, honest. quite honestly. Um, I'm worried that people are going to spend a bunch of money on this and not get, A, not get a product at all, or B, if they get a product, it's not going to be anything that's anything. Um, I have, I was one of the people that bought the Ouya, one of many. You don't know what the Ouya is. That was a, basically, and and actually it it did what it said it would do. I'm not mad at the company. I just realized I didn't want what it said it would do. (laughs) But originally they said it's going to run Linux and it'll have an app store on it, so... This app store will allow you to download Android like from the Android marketplace and play those games but on a TV with a controller. And I was like, well that's appealing to me because I like playing handheld and mobile games but I don't like playing them on the go. As dumb as that sounds with mobile games, which I later found out is true how stupid I was about it. But typically a game that's a handheld I want to play on a TV. So I was able to play all these cheap Android games for free on this device on my TV. And then you realize well these games suck. So that's kind of why you don't really want it. But the Oya did eventually come out. It was delayed quite, quite a lot. But it did come out. And then it came out and it just died. <laughs> I mean, the company died. It died. It all died. It all fell apart. So I feel like that's the same thing here. Uh, and I want to go back a little bit and talk about um, kind of the history of Atari. Because the Atari today is not the Atari of now. So, um, back in, let's see, they got, so the original Atari, we know they were making stuff, they were doing their thing and they essentially fell apart. You know, a lot of people talk about how they caused the video game crash of the eighties. Um, they, they did to an extent. Um, but it was also the fact that you had a lot of different devices making video games and toy stores and electronic stores couldn't decide which ones to carry. And it was spread too thin, basically. That's why you don't often see more than two or three game uh, system developers, console developers um, now, because there's just not enough room to have your customer base split between more than three people. And even now, if you look at it, I don't think they're really split between three, I think they're split between two, Microsoft and, and Sony. And then Nintendo's always the third one where people almost always get a Nintendo system along with one of the other because it's different. You know, that's how I always kind of looked at it. Uh, so, you know, Atari was trying to really crank things out. They released the Jaguar. Um, and then after a bunch of lawsuits uh, in 96, Atari was pretty much just toast. And then with the failure of the Lynx and the Jaguar, it just wasn't, they just weren't working. So then uh, it looks like the, the Atari name and assets were sold to Hasbro for $5 million, like in 1998 or something like that, uh, which was <laughs> the company that owned Atari before that it was a fifth of what they had paid 22 years earlier. So that's all, that's a lot of lost value in a company in 22 years. Um, but the transaction was basically used for their brand, which fell under the Atari interactive division of Hasbro. I don't think they did anything, um, with that name. Uh, and then when uh, there was a French publisher called Infograms so, or Infograms or Infograms, Grames, I, don't, I can never pronounce this stupid name, but they were publishing video games for a while. They did like Test Drive for a while, stuff like that. So they took over Hasbro Interactive. Um, so once they took over Hasbro Interactive, then they decided they want to reinvent the Atari brand. And so they started putting the name Atari on a certain games. So you can see it on uh, Driver Parallel Worlds uh, splashdown, transworld surf. Um, and then they also put the Atari name on enter the matrix stuntman. So there were, there were a bunch of, uh, so basically it was a rebranding. So Infogrames was like, Hey, the Atari name has equity. Let's start using the Atari name to try to get more customers to buy our stuff. Like that's really all it was. Uh, and so they've been doing that ever since. Um, and they just been, you know, they've been quote unquote Atari. So they've been putting out things in there. Um, and then, uh, you know, not a lot happened. So like in 2013, 2014, they were, um, like, like not really much of anything. Um, and then in 2017, all of a sudden is when we hear, he announced the company's developing a new game console and it was, uh, going to be the Atari box. So it's this really weird thing. Like, At least the Nintendo of today is still the same company it was 30 years ago to feed off our nostalgia. You know, like a lot of the same people are there, like Shigeru Miyamoto there. Unfortunately, some people aren't that passed away like Iwata, but they were in positions of power at the time of of him leaving us. So, you know, that studio still had a lot of the same people. Um, Sony's pretty different. Uh, You know, I don't really think there's anybody still there. Like Mark Cerny is probably one of the longest running ones there, but. Uh, and then you have, uh, you know, like Microsoft is, is also very different. Not that there's much nostalgia in a system that's only like 16 years old, but, um, you know, you get my point. So, uh, but Atari is not even like the same anything. It was just, it was, it went out of business. The company closed its assets were purchased for a certain amount of money so they could use the name. And now they're just using the name. So it's not even, it's not even Atari, I guess is my point. So, which may not be a bad thing because Atari wasn't that great, especially in the end. It was kind of, it's kind of sucked anyway, so it's fine. But, um, it's all very interesting stuff, right? So this is the sort of stuff that you have to be really careful of though, because it's not like this company is super trustworthy and super, you know, I don't know. Like they're not super reliable when it comes to this sort of stuff. I, I get very nervous about crowdfunding as well, because if this company's as big as they say, why can't they just release it? Why do we have to do crowdfunding? Why, why does all the risk always have to fall to the consumer now? You know, like we're already taking a risk like when we buy it day one. Why do we have to now take the risk where we have a chance of not even getting it? <laughs> At least if it comes out day one, you got it. You know, it's frustrating to me that the crowdfunding has really um, irritated me over the last couple of years with this like, oh, well, the crowdfunding is great because they fund all the development. And if the project doesn't come to fruition, well, eh, well. No big deal on us. That's what the company says. And us customers are like, what the hell is this? And then unfortunately, it's it's a beautiful program that a lot of people are taking advantage of. And they're going to kill it eventually. I, I My interest wanes on crowdfunding now, too. You know, like I used to like to support small guys. And then three or four years later, their game finally comes out. And I'm like, you know what? I didn't support you. I didn't, I didn't buy this game four years ago so that I could maybe get a game one day and help you, you know put it on 20 systems when originally the game was supposed to be a steam game for $10. And you're like, well, it's popular. So now I got to make versions for all the systems, thus pushing the, the release back. And I'm like, you know, that's not what I paid for. But with this, I I really truly believe that uh, it will not come out. I think that that's my most likely scenario is that it'll get delayed from spring to fall. Then from fall 2018, it will get delayed to 2019 sometime. And then it'll disappear. Like, like one of my favorite movie quotes and Shawshank Redemption, it'll disappear like a fart in the wind. Just, whew, it'll be gone. And everyone will be sitting there holding like, oh, man. Well, it would have been really cool if it had come out, right? I'm going to be all pissed off. Um, with that being said, uh, I, will probably kick, I will probably buy one because I, I need to need to know what all the hubbub's about. Um, but I don't think I could kickstart it. I don't think I could uh, crowdfund it. I mean, I just don't trust it. Sucks to say, but I just don't trust it. And... Uh, you know so let's let's look back at a couple things too so we talked about um uh, we talked a little bit about the playing used games from other whatever the hell that means i don't i don't even, that doesn't make any sense to me how it would play pre-owned games from other content providers um a killer tv product so it's going to plug in your tv duh it's got hdmi out we knew that sd card slot we knew that where people can game stream and browse with as much freedom as possible so okay so it'll have netflix on it so it's a roku basically which roku's play games now so it'll be a roku with whatever else, I don't, I don't know. That's what I understand too. Is how is this thing two hundred fifty to three hundred dollars, unless it's got some graphics card in there so you can play? Like if it, if it's now the one thing I will say, if it's what we originally thought the Steam Box was going to be, this could be cool. So it's a, it's a device that is a set hardware spec, and that game, game developers on Steam can say, hey, we have an Atari Box setting, where if you put the game on these settings, it'll run perfect on an Atari Box. That might work probably not, but it might. But anyway, I just, I wish I could be more positive about this one, guys. I hate to say I am not. I think this is a bad idea. Uh, I don't think when I first heard it, I thought it was a bad idea. It's just, again, it's, it's feeding off our nostalgia. It's it's trying to like get us to pay money for something based off of our old good feelings. Like I can always think of like, uh, if you watch South Park, the member berries were like Mamba. Memba Chewbacca, and like it's it's this whole like remember how cool something was back in the day phase where everyone's just like oh man they just made these cool new Ninja Turtles figures but they're painted like the ones we had in the nineties oh do you remember the Turtles in the nineties oh man and I'm the first to say <clears throat> I fall for this too it, it's it, like there's nothing wrong with wanting to feel good and remember good things but there's times I think when companies take advantage and I and I I ranted about this a couple weeks ago with the Street Fighter two cartridge that i am 8-bit made with capcom and house a hundred dollars for like the most generic version of street fighter 2 ever and then so i complain about that because i feel like that's just the same as this like if this had any other name on it nobody would be talking about it but because it's the atari box people won't shut up about it and and that's what i think is irritating me Uh, and so i'm here to poo poo on it i hope that everyone here if you decide that you're thinking about crowdfunding it just take a second to think about it be careful Maybe they'll release more info once the crowdfunding starts. Maybe they'll have a working prototype and they'll have a video proving me wrong. I'm cool with that. If they have a working prototype uh, at the at the time of the Indiegogo crowdfunding video, I, I can see it working. See more things like see a controller, or maybe it won't even come with a controller. Maybe you have to get your own controller. I don't know. Don't care. Uh, but that sort of thing will make me more believable. But right now, they're talking about crowdfunding and they're talking about what it is, but we have no pictures. We have no hard evidence. And it's not like it's Sony with the PS4 when they're like, "Oh, we can't show it to you yet. We're gonna reveal it." You know they're making a PS4. Yeah, these guys, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Know. I just don't trust it. I hate to say it, just don't trust it. Alrighty. Well, with that being said, uh, that is the end of the show, Graham. Today, folks. So as always, I appreciate you listening. Um, well, let's take a look. Actually, let's do a let's do a game recommendation today. I was kind of looking. at it. I I literally do this on the fly. Like I look at my game collection in my office here as we're uh as we're, um, as I'm doing the end of this podcast and I just pick one. Okay. So here we go. Sega Genesis, a, a great game called comics zone. So comic zone is a really neat concept as you're fighting inside of a comic book. So it's a classic style beat them up. Sadly, it's only one player, but it's a classic style beat em up, you know, like final fight or streets of rage. And you, uh, uh, you move throughout the, panels on a comic book page so you'll fight a bunch of enemies and then like it brings up uh, speech bubbles as you're fighting instead of you know like it's just really cool um very very stylish game incredibly difficult game so very very good i highly recommend uh, anybody try that out comic zone good beat-em-up arcade style beat-em-up game incredibly difficult and it's got really good looking graphics nice soundtrack and uh, really fun. So Comic Zone, Sega Genesis. Uh, again, as always, I appreciate you guys listening and watching on YouTube. If you are watching this on YouTube, or if uh, you're listening to it, if you could subscribe to the drop rate on YouTube, I'd really appreciate it. We're up to or over 230 subscribers in just the last six months. And we're really proud of that. We're trying to get to 300 subscribers by the end of the year. That's really our, our original goal was to get to 100 by the end of the year. Um, so we're really, really proud of how we're doing and, and to get to 300, maybe this year, maybe we can get to a thousand by the end of next year. We don't know. Um, but we're just having a lot of fun growing it right now. Um, obviously you can leave a, leave comments, like subscribe anything. If you could share it, it means so much to me and, uh, and everybody involved in the, in the drop rate right project. Uh, but, uh, thanks again, as always, I hope you all have a great day and we'll talk to you again soon.